The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. As you heard last week, Mark Schofield is on to bigger and better things, so I'm by myself from now on, but I am joined by a very special guest today. It's Joe Goodberry, uh, Bengals content creator, is here with us to break down the Week 2 matchup against the Cowboys and the Bengals. Joe, man, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, even though the Bengals lost. You know, everything else is going good. <laughs> we're, we're Hey, we're in the same boat, man. We're in the same boat. And, and I was super, like, halfway through Cowboys-Bucks, I was super pumped to have you on because the Bengals kind of had a disappointing Week 1 Cowboys had a disappointing week one. Then the Dak Prescott injury happened in my excitement. You know, I was like, all right, the Bengals are going to run the table with the Cowboys. But I felt like a lot of our concerns and questions about the teams could have been pretty similar on this podcast before the Dak injury, but it kind of got ugly after that. It's funny because the Cowboys and Bengals aren't too dissimilar. I think in a lot of ways it's funny because the Cowboys got all this money. They got the nice facilities that, you know, they got this, they're known for being, you know, America's team type thing. The Bengals are, are kind of redheaded stepchild in a lot of people's <laughs> eyes, but they really build the team very similarly. Their, their owners, the GM, you know, they don't participate in free agency too much. They like to draft, retain their own guys, build from within. Uh, the Bengals recently have started dipping into free agency. And I think that's made the big difference in how they, how they built the last few years. But uh, my my best friend's a Cowboys fan, so like we talk all the time, and it's very similar how these two teams approach things. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you know, it was it was a topic of conversation in that first you know three quarters or so about the Cowboys about how the offense just looked anemic at times, and it it did. It looked inept. You know, even with Dak Prescott in there, just no separation from the receivers. You know, the running game they, they couldn't really get going enough to where you could keep it going. And when I was watching the Bengals play the Steelers, it was not as bad by any means. But you know, the the, the turnovers were there. The Bengals offense would kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit more than what the Cowboys were doing. But they were able to move the ball so, some success. So I felt like the topic of this podcast before the Prescott injury is going to be was the week one issues with the Bengals and Cowboys offense a week one issue, or is that something that we're kind of expecting maybe to continue into week two, week two, you know, week three, is it just a bad offense or was it week one knocking cobwebs and rust off? You know, there definitely is some of that rust and cobwebs 
because the Bengals didn't play any of their starters in preseason right. at all. Even even guys that were like, you know, going to be contributors but not right. starters didn't even play. That's how uh, so well. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams around the league looked off a little bit when they right. approached uh, preseason like that. And I get it. I want to be healthy going into the year too. Um, but as at the same time, you can't come out looking the way you did, uh, you know, in the Bengals case, maybe they thought, you know, Pittsburgh wouldn't have much of an offense and we can afford to be rusty, maybe the first quarter or two, and then we'll get on it. And it, they were almost right. Had their long snapper not got hurt, they probably would have been correct. They score a touchdown with, with no time remaining on the clock. Uh, and the long snapper isn't out there, backup long snapper, and, and everything changes on the hold and everything changes on the protection. They end up getting the extra point blocked going in overtime, missing a 29-yarder because of a high snap again. And, you know, they lose the game to, to the Steelers, which they probably deserved to lose because everything went wrong. Uh, but, you know, at, at, from a tape-watching standpoint, last year the Bengals struggled with cover two defenses. And anytime someone was like, all right, we're not going to let you beat us over the top, we're not going to let Chase streak down the field. We're not going to let Higgins streak down the field on us and let Burrow just drop bombs, you know, because the probably the best combination in the league in terms of vertical deep balls is, is Burrow and Chase. They're not going to let you do that. We're going to make you throw down the middle of the field. We're going to make Burrow get to the third read. We're going to make you check it down. And Burrow is just so aggressive. There are times like the check down guy is just waving his arms like, hey, man, I'm here. I can pick up eight yards. And Burrow wants to throw it 30 yards downfield, which we love that gunslinger mentality. Well, he's going to have to adjust, I think. I think the rust plus the appendectomy in, in, in camp where he didn't get to you know, participate in camp until the last week of it, and then being like, like the Steelers, this is a cover one, cover three, heavy blitz team. Burrow lit them up last year because of it. That's what they're, you know, that's normally their DNA. That's perfect for the Bengals offense. Instead, the Steelers play 29% cover two, which is the second highest rate in the league this week in week one. And Burrow just did not want to accept it. He just did not. It looked like he wasn't comfortable, didn't want to just take the check down. And I think when you get in that situation, it's like it took three quarters for him to be like, all right, whatever you guys are going to give me, we're going to do it. And we're going to handle it. We're just going to have to move Chase around and do something different. So I do think that's part that I'm going to look for to see how they adjust and see how defenses play them throughout the year. While also, was it just rust? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great, great question and great talking point because that's kind of the Patrick Mahomes thing last year, right? Whereas, you know, teams just, they play cover two and he went through that span where he wouldn't just take what defenses were giving him or was forcing things. And, and I think that's what you're seeing defenses do to good quarterbacks and good offenses more and more, especially the ones that have, you know, two, two good outside receivers and can, can, you know, impact the game that way. So, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm very interested to see the Cowboys game plan against Joe Burrow and, and this Bengals offense in week two, because they, did a relatively nice job against Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense for the most part. I mean, they were able to move the ball on them, but they're able to kind of, you know, buckle down in the red zone and, and give up, you know, field goals, not touchdowns, which is, which is not the end of the world against Tampa Bay and Tampa, you know, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin for the first half. So, um, so as a Cowboys fan looking into the Bengals, Lyle Collins was a big topic of conversation for us. Um, you read some things where he was god awful this in week one, and then you kind of you know you watch the game and you go, okay, he's going up against T.J. Watt, new team, new offense. I think when I went back and looked at it, some on tape, you know, it wasn't bad by any means, but you might have expected a little bit more as a you know highly touted guy coming in on the right tackle. Um, How do you think Lyle did in week one, and do you think that that Bengals offensive line you know is going to improve? Because I think that was one that that one area that they were hoping would be much better in 2022 than it was in 2021. They addressed yeah. it in free agency. They brought in guys to uh, 
make it a stronger unit. Um, maybe week one was a little bit of a disappointment for you guys, but what do you think that's going to look like in week two? Yeah, they have four new starters on the offensive line. The only guy they brought back was Jonah Williams at left tackle, their former top 10 pick. You know, so they like him. He, he's still a young man and 24 years old. They think he's going to take that next step. He gave up two sacks right away early in the game, then settled down. The big issue was fourth round rookie Cordell Volson at left guard. He's from North Dakota State. You're getting a guy from a small school. You're plugging him in right away. Uh, and he went against Cam Hayward and he had his struggles. But I think Ted Karras, Alex Capo at center and right guard were steady, pretty much exactly what they wanted when they signed those two in free agency. Leo Collins was, if I were to say who's the rustiest guy out there, it looked like him. It looked like he hasn't played a year and a half, right? Because he had those injuries last year with Dallas and uh, you're going against TJ Watt and he didn't practice a lot in camp. He was in and out with hip and back and other things like that. Uh, so I, I, once he got in there, he looked like the slowest guy off the ball, like he wasn't used to the cadence, like he just wasn't footwork in, in lockstep with uh, the other offensive linemen. But he also was super high variance. Like he pancaked TJ Watt a few times. He knocked him to the ground a few times. He got up and and, and really mowed the right side of the offensive line a, a, a couple times uh, of the defensive line, I should say. And you could see that power, that strength, that raw ability. He's always been a bit inconsistent. He's always been at times a guy that maybe ends up on the ground a little bit too much, goes a little too hard, a little too crazy, gets off balance. Um, really aggressive, tough blocker. You guys know this, but uh, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of high end plays, a lot of low end plays where you go, okay, his feet aren't under him completely yet. He's maybe not as nimble as he used to be, uh, which is fine. It still looks like a top 10 right tackle. I think to be honest, I thought he had a fine game. I'd, I'd say he was probably the third best offensive lineman out there, which I don't know. Maybe that's not saying much. Maybe he should be number one every week, given his talent and given his pedigree. Uh, but I think he'll be OK. It's a tough task. I think Micah Parsons last week looked amazing. Right. I mean, this guy was beating anyone and anyone out there. And then the, the Bucks had to go their backup left tackle. But I don't think it matters. I think he looks like a full fledged edge rusher that's going to cause a lot of problems in the NFL. Uh, and he moved left side and right side last week. And if they're, the Cowboys are going to move him around like that and let him rush from both ends, he's going to get his chances against Jonah Williams and Leo Collins. And um, that's actually a decent combo when they're on top of their game. So we'll have to see how much of the rust those two can shake off and bounce back. But uh, uh, seven sacks for the Bengals last week on offense. They charged three to Joe Burrow. They charged two to Jonah Williams at left tackle, two to uh, Cordell Volson at left guard. So center to right tackle, didn't get charged with any. Uh, in pass protection, they had decent days. So overall, I think there was improvement on the offensive line compared to what we saw at the end of last year. It was so bad in that Super Bowl for the Bengals that even on a bad day, they looked better than normal. Yeah, no, and and I know you're on my show helping me, but I'll tell you, that's a, that's a Lyle Collins thing. Is he normally like starts mm -hmm. off slow, gets in a rhythm, and then he kind of picks it up. And again, he's he's all last few years he's had some hip injuries, had some you know back injuries and stuff like that that I feel like he kind of has to work out the kinks in before he gets rolling. But you know, I thought again, you, you turn on Twitter and you see Lyle Collins, you know, giving up up pressure to T.J. Watt and people, and it's just like. Okay, then you watch the game. You go, yeah, it wasn't wasn't bad by any means. There's stuff he needs to clean up, but um, I thought he was solid for sure. And I, I, th I think yeah. that, like you said, you got four new offensive linemen on an offensive line. It might take a week or two to get things rolling and in the communication aspect of things to get rolling. So I think that unit's going to be better than it was in 21 for sure. Um, Jamar Chase, you, you mentioned him. We mentioned him a little bit already, but you know, a dude who. You know, stormed under the scene last year was was incredible in his rookie season. Started off year two a lot like he did year one. Um, you know, he's a guy that's just going to be a tough cover. You guys got T. Higgins on one side, Tyler Boyd in the slot. Um, a lot of weapons on that offense. 
Um, as crazy as it sounds, after watching week one, I have more confidence in the Cowboys defending Jabbar Chase and those receivers than I do the running game, though, because they let Leonard Fournette go for six yards per carry. Um, didn't look good on the ground, you know, uh, on defense against the ground at all. Um, Trayvon Diggs had a decent game in coverage, even though he didn't want to tackle. So I think that my biggest concern coming into week two is do the Bengals, after seeing how week one played out, you know, having a lot of that cover two defensive looks, do they just commit to that run, seeing how bad the Cowboys defense struggled with it in week one and seeing the ability to go outside against those corners um, in, in the running game and really attack the edges. So you think that that is something the Bengals will look to do in week two is hand the ball to Joe Mixon a ton and let him get outside and press these corners to tackle? I do think so. Uh, and, and you're right. If you play a lot of cover two, that's the answer, right? You got to run the ball and you got to run it effectively. And if the offensive line is inconsistent, if the run game's inconsistent, uh, defensives will take that, man. If you go five, for five on one play and then one on the next play, the defense will take that. Still third and four, you know, and they'll still be ready to go out there and rush the passer and do what they got to do. Uh, so you, it, the answer is to run the ball, but run it effectively and run it efficiently. The Bengals haven't been able to do that. It's been a few years, actually, since they've been able to do that. And maybe a lot of that's O-line because Joe Mixon is a really good back. And they'd love to. If you're going to let them hand it to him 25 times and he's having a good day, they will take it all day. And they'll and they'll continue with it. And they'll take their shots every time you want to bring the safety down. Now, the issue with it is they are way too transparent on when they're running and when they're passing. Like, if you're just listening to this right now and you haven't watched a lot of Bengals offense, I'll tell you when you watch the game. And this is how it's been for the last year and a half, so maybe it'll continue. If it changes, I'll be really excited. When they're under center, they were under center 18 times last week. Uh, they ran it 16 times. They used play action twice uh, from under center. Most of it, I think 12 of them were wide zone runs. Uh, so, like, they're going to attack the edges. They're going to attack outside. They're not mix and, you know, read it in, in one cut and try and get upfield. They need to do more play action. When they're in shotgun, you know exactly what they're going to do. It's probably going to be a pass. I think they handed off just a couple times out of shotgun. So, like, it's a clear divide and a clear split. You see the way the Steelers just attacked the run. So, the Steelers would be out in a cover two shell look, and the Bengals would come out under center. They would just – everyone is just run blitzing at that point. The safety comes screaming down the field. Both linebackers start screaming towards their gaps. I mean, they are run fitting instantly, and the Bengals – Tried play action twice. Once for Jamar Chase over the middle was a nice 15, 18-yard gain. And then one was the last play of the game where they're trying to hopefully save one more play action that to, to trick the Steelers and maybe get a touchdown out of it. it was just a little uh, uh, drag from the backside from Drew Sample, which he got tackled by Minka Fitzpatrick right away. The Bengals will use their receivers. T. Higgins got knocked out last week with a concussion. Minka Fitzpatrick caught him uh, after a catch. And then uh, – so he missed the time. we got to see if he'll be back and ready to go. If he's not out there, I think it's much easier to, to defend this offense. You know, the depth that receiver for the Bengals isn't very strong. They have three great trio, but really it's Mike Thomas and, and Trent Taylor and guys backing up. Guys that can play are veterans, but they're not a threat. You know, it's a big difference there when you lose a T. Higgins. And then also Tyler Boyd got had to come out of the game twice. Mika Fitzpatrick was flagged twice for uh, defenseless receiver hits. So Minka, who had a fantastic game, probably going to be defensive player of the week. He also knocked uh, receivers out of the game three times last week and was flagged for it twice. So that had an effect on the offense. If all three are healthy and can play, I don't know how you can cover them. At least that's the way the Bengals feel. So they will run the ball and they'll stick with it if it's working. If it's not, they will pull the plug so quick. And they did last week. There were times like where Mixon's getting five yards, five yards, five yards. And Burrow has the ability to check at the line. If he doesn't like it, he can switch it up. Um so I, it's kind of hard to say exactly what they're play calling if they're just you know going to switch it based on the looks. But 
as soon as they feel like they can throw that ball, they're going to, and they're going to attack downfield and they want to. So if you give them that cover one, cover three outside uh, throws, they're going to take it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no. So I know you mentioned T. Hengen's injury. Is he not expected to play this week, do you think? We don't know because of concussion protocol, right? He's day-to-day. And they said encouraging signs. So we'll have to see, you know, Wednesday report what it right. look like. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when, when you got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, that's just – and especially when you sprinkle in the Joe Mixon side of things, being a run, catch ball in the backfield, it's just a – that's a receiving unit that's just tough to defend. And, you know, they, they brought in Hayden Hurst, correct? He's, he's kind of gotten involved mm-hmm. early and often, um, more so maybe than he did in Atlanta last year. So that's a – you know, I know they lost um, CJ – what was his last name? Uzama. Uzama, yeah, yeah. They lost Uzama um, this offseason. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to see them replace him with Hayden Hurst, a guy who was highly touted coming out of college and, and you know, maybe hadn't had the NFL career, some thought. But um, so – we think that, you know, they might if, – if Cowboys come out in the cover two, they're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to run it effectively. If not, they'll, they'll kind of adjust that game plan. On the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals, I don't know if you've gotten into much Cowboys week one tape yet, but who are they going to be afraid of? That's been a topic of conversation pretty much from April for Cowboys fans. Is it's you got CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of dudes, and we're not sure that CeeDee Lamb's the dude right. that can take a lot of that pressure off the other guys. So it's – right now you got a bunch of – yeah – one guy that might hurt us and a bunch of guys we know won't from a defensive perspective, how do you kind of expect the Bengals to come out and play the Cowboys offense this week, especially when Dak's not there to help? <laughs> yeah. It's like the Cowboys most dangerous weapon is CD lamb. Everyone knows that for me, number two is Tony Pollard and like, you know, cause he can do so much and he can break a play and he's going to make guys miss more than I think Zeke will. Uh, so like, what are they going to do with CD? Are they going to get him in a slot? Are they going to try and get the ball into his hands? I run some jet sweeps with him. I mean, CD is so good against uh, run after the catch. He should probably be used more like Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel when your quarterback can't throw, right? It's Cooper Rush. I'm not trying to be too disrespectful to the right. man, but at the same time, like you should be trying to get the ball in CD's hands, hands as much as possible in a game like this. So what does that mean? What, is, what can the Bengals do? You know, I think it's easier to, to fend the guy in the slot if you're going to move him in the slot and try and create touches for Lamb when the outside receivers really aren't much of a threat. You know, right. if Michael Gallup's out there, it's a, it's a much different thing because then you're going to have to put a safety because he's such a good vertical threat. Um, you know, so it, it, when he's not out there, it, it makes it so much easier to key on uh, a lamb, even no matter where he's going to line up. And the Bengals feel good about their corners. Shadobia Wuzia, you guys know him, but he's really taking that next step with the Bengals. Yeah. He was great last year. They targeted him 11 times this week. I think he gave up five catches for 50 yards. Um, he was really good again. Uh, Eli Apple, surprisingly, is having his best – years in his career with the Bengals the last two years now 
Uh, he was targeted. I think he gave up one catch for eight yards last week. Uh, Mike Hilton's one of the better slot corners in the league, if not top five slot corner in the league. And he's a real good blitzer, real good tackler. He's not the fastest guy. So I think like Lamb can beat him on a few situations. But again, why would you not give uh, Mike Hilton a little bit of help if Lamb gets inside there and say like, listen, if you're going to beat us with the other receivers, fine, but you're not going to let Lamb run free against our guy here. Um, the Bengals really like their linebackers too. So Dalton Schultz is probably the next option of, of who you got to look at and we got to you know cover. Cause I, I think, I feel like he can be a, steady target down the middle of the field, especially once they get into the red zone. They really like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Both guys are former safeties. They're athletic. They can cover. They move. They're smart. They've been together now for three years. Uh, they have full confidence in their linebacker unit to do anything that they need to do. I think uh, Logan Wilson after last week had like an 87 PFF grade. Uh, he's in the number two or three linebacker right now in the league uh, just off week one uh, grading. And the Bengals really like him. He's coming off really good number. Uh, uh, sophomore season last year, really good Super Bowl. He probably could have won MVP had they stopped the Rams at the goal line there. I think he may have been the MVP, uh, you know, had they have done that. Um, the biggest issue for the Bengals defense is their pass rush. Trey Hendrickson at right end is a monster and he will beat you all day. It's going to be, I'm going to love to watch them to uh, uh, Tyler Smith and Trey Hendrickson because I feel like both those guys kind of black out a little bit. I remember watching uh, Smith in college and just like we were always complaining about the penalties, man, listen, because the man turns into a, an animal. He flips that switch, and I don't think he realizes what he's doing out there sometimes. <laughs> I thought he was okay last week, you know, and they're, and Trey Henderson's the same way. Like, you'll see his face, and it's like, I don't think he's home, man. I don't think he, anyone can get through to him right now. He's just, that light has gone off for him, and he's he's going to do whatever it takes to get to the quarterback. Bengals really don't have a number two pass rusher right now. If it's maybe Sam Hubbard, might be B.J. Hill, they'd love to get Joseph Osai from Texas year two, missed his old rookie year, third round pick. They'd love to see more of him. He only got 11 snaps last week, really because the Steelers weren't just going to drop back and throw the ball. Again, do I expect the Cowboys to do that in this situation? They may want to lean on the run, use as much play action and misdirection as you can to keep the pass rush at bay um, with their offensive line issues and quarterback issues right now as well. So, if I were the Bengals, I'm keying on CeeDee Lamb. And then when Tony Pollard comes in the game, I'm worried about him. Yeah, I honestly hate this matchup for the Cowboys offense for some of the reasons you just listed. You know, you, you talk about – you almost – I mean, right now with the way defenses are kind of playing the Cowboys offense, Dalton Schultz is your number one weapon because teams are going to shade coverage. They're going to double CeeDee Lamb. They have no threat of Simi Fajoko or Noah Brown or – Dennis Houston beating them. So it's a lot of coverage shaded towards CD lamb. And then Logan Wilson's one of the best covered linebackers in the league. And he'll probably see a lot of man coverage snaps against Dalton Schultz. So I feel like you're taking the two weapons, you know, Dalton Schultz against a Mike linebacker that, you know, doesn't, isn't known for his coverage and is known for his more run defense. Maybe he can go, you know, six, eight catches for hundred yards, but I just think he's going to, have his hands full with Logan Wilson. I think C.D. Lamb will have his hands full with Mike Hilton and some of these safeties. And it might That's be what I was going to say. That we, I didn't even mention the safeties. I forgot. They love Jesse Bates, Vaughn Bell, and then they drafted Dax Hill in round one. I mean, they didn't get to really deploy Dax Hill the way they want. But if Schultz is like the number two right. target in the, in the offense, I could see them saying, all right, Dax, here's your chance to play. Go cover him one-on-one. -on -one. And that just would probably make Schultz life a little bit harder. That So Tampa Bay a lot of the time and, – and, again, it's – I hate that this has become a conversation because the Joneses make it a conversation, but like the whole topic was, well, we'll just move CeeDee Lamb in the slot so he can get open easier. And right. It's like, okay, cool. Then they put their nickel corner, who's a really good players nowadays because nickel corner isn't what it was five years ago when it was your third best corner. You know, a lot of teams get play their best corner in the slot a lot of the times because so many guys are moving inside and uh, 
that's what Tampa Bay did a ton is they would, they would have, even if it was Antoine Winfield, they'd have Antoine Winfield cover out of the slot. And then the linebacker or one of those cover two safeties, they weren't really even playing cover two. They looked cover two pre-snap and then they almost turned into cover one because that safety would just run down and play the, you know, the, the in-breaking middle of the field if CD was in the slot or they'd go high if he was going, you know, on an outside release. So it was like, it's almost like they were taking the safety in the nickel corner, the safety in the outside corner and going, you're just going to go play. You're going to read CD's releases and that's what side of the field you're going to play. And um, right. it was a lot of, you know, me and Mark Schofield, my, my ex co-host, we talked about that a lot. It's like, Sure, it's going to look like a lot of cover two, but it's almost a cover one double 88 look because it's like whatever that other cover player is, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's this, you know, second safety in the cover two look, a lot of times he's just going to go run his CD side of the field or play side of the field and take away the underneath or take away the over the top and make everything almost a layered throw to CD Lamb. And that's what it looked like in week one. So I don't have good feeling about this, this matchup, mainly because I feel like with, Dax Hill, who we talked a lot about coming out of Michigan, like how good he was in coverage. He could be a nickel corner. He could be a free oh, safety. Yeah. He could play in the – like he could do so many of those things that, you know, like whether it's Logan Wilson or Dax Hill, you feel like they're going to go, hey, you cover Schultz. You two guys got C.E. Lamb, and we'll we'll make Noah Brown, Dennis Houston, and Simi Fajoko try to beat us. And maybe that, with it not being Dak in the lineup, maybe they just go, hey, we're going to run the ball 35 times a day, whether it works or not, which – you know, we, we don't think that's a great game plan, but what can you do at this point? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what the Steelers tried to do as well. The Steelers really had one drive all game that would constitute anything that looked like a functional offense because the Bengals shut down the run completely. Uh, DJ Reader is probably the most underrated guy in the league. He's I mm-hmm. think he's the best nose tackle in the league. I mean, he is going to destroy plays and just leave. Not, we talk about why the linebackers are good. Man, they don't get a guard on them at all. They are running free out there. And it's mostly because of uh, DJ Reader. But the Bengals will go in odd front, too, and bring in Josh Tupo, who's on 340 pounds, and put him next to DJ Reader, and then have BJ Hills, the other D tackle. And, um, you know, I'd say it just at that point, it just makes it very tough to get up to the second level and block these linebackers or block a Von Bell if they want to bring him down into the box as well. And, uh, they, if they defend the run like they did the last, man, going back to the playoffs, the Raiders, the Titans, the Chiefs, then the Rams, they were shutting the run, down the run and out physicaling teams completely throughout the playoffs. It carried over into week one of this week, just com- and you knew the Steelers wanted to do it. So I'm assuming the next two weeks, again, they got the Cowboys with Cooper Rush, then they got the Jets with Joe Flacco. They're probably going to be sitting here like, guys, we're defending the run the first three weeks, no matter what. So, like, we better, you know, bring a hard hat because this is what's going to be for for the, to open the season. Man, that kind of goes back to what you started the show with. You know, these some of these free agent acquisitions that a team that didn't use to Trey Hendrick. You all we talked about really is Trey Hendrickson and, and DJ Reader now and Jadobia Woozie, Mike, Mike, Mike Hilton, Hilton, right? Like, Bell. We've, these four or five, six dudes that we say, hey, are these are going to be the difference makers on the defensive side of the ball? You know, or all, and they didn't spend a lot. Like I'm telling you, from the, the like, Terry Hendrickson's contract is easy. DJ Reader's contract is easy. Mike Hilton's is nothing. They didn't spend a lot for Chidobe Wuzier. And so, like, when Cowboys fans are, that are frustrated with their lack of free agency, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. And I know they've had some cap issues. Zeke doesn't help, you know. And then they had to get off the books with Romo, and then it went right to Dak right afterwards. It's hard once you when you're always paying a quarterback, but man, you always feel like they could squeeze just a little bit more if they wanted to. There's value deals out there. The Bengals have found a really good sweet spot in finding those values. 
Yep, that, that's the general manager's job is not always spending the most money, but spending the best money on, like you said, the Mike Hiltons of the exactly. world, the, the DJ readers of the world. There's plenty of dudes like that. I mean, shoot, we we threw a fit on Sunday night because Julio Jones was torturing us and it was like, didn't even, con- wasn't even in consideration. Right. It's like, why, why wouldn't it be? You know, you, you're, I don't know. Again, I, hey, I, I didn't come on the first half of this podcast to talk about the Cowboys because I didn't want to feel <laughs> negative and pulling my hair out. And it's uh, been plenty of that. Um, but no, I was, I was excited to have you on talk about these Bengals. I mean, again, it is a, as a fan of the Cowboys, it was great to see the Bengals have a good year last year. I mean, everybody loves Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Um, you yeah. know, I think a lot of people were pulling for them in the Super Bowl against the Rams. And, uh, you know, if Rams are another team that started off slow in week one. So I'm, 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 I wish, you know, we got to go back in time, build a time as you do this. But I wish Dak was healthy and we could say, hey, let's see what weeks two, three, four look like. Because he didn't play yeah. well, but we didn't see Joe Burrow play well. We didn't see Matt Stafford play well. We saw a lot of teams start off slow, lethargic, just like, hey, these guys didn't play in preseason. They're going to knock some rust off. So is, you know, panic button scenarios we had to hit in week one with how bad the offense looked in Dallas and some of that in Cincinnati and some other teams. I wish that Dak was healthy so this matchup would at least seem a little bit more fun on paper and maybe yeah. you know, two, two teams who underwhelmed in week one going at it in week two. Let's see who can get the better of them. And the Cowboys didn't put Dak on IR, so maybe it means four weeks he'll be back. You know, and look at the NFC; it's wide open. Even they, even if they, you know, the, let's say the Eagles run away with it or whatever happens, uh, the division. I mean, and the Cowboys can still, you know, claw their way to nine wins or whatever in the second half of the year. You just got to get into the playoffs, man. And that, you know, if you get it right by the end of the year, and as long as you have a quarterback that's playing at an elite level, you've got a chance. So it's not over yet. Now, if they go 0-4, it's going to be a tough hole to climb out of. I don't think they will do that, but just saying, you know, you don't want to get, get to that scenario 0-5 even or 1-4, right. 2-4, and, 2 and whatever the case may be. You want to steal a victory here or there, wherever it may be. Uh, we've been in this situation. You guys have missed quarterbacks, obviously, especially, you know, two years ago with Dak and when Romo got hurt before and things like that. But we've also been there. Uh, it sucks to start looking at draft prospects in, in October, November, you know. And so hopefully it's not the case for the Cowboys and they can squeak out a few wins here and get Dak back. We're starting to do that in September. That's the best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, this is this is great. Um, appreciate you coming on, previewing this game with us. Uh, like I said, we'll be we'll be rooting. I know a lot of Cowboys fans love the Bengals because they're big Joe Burrow guys, and we've had people cover the the Cowboys who are big LSU guys, so they also like Joe Burrow, and it's just yeah. very easy to root for them, man. They're you know they felt like the underdog for so long. They they get a quarterback that's widely liked, you know Jamar Chase widely liked. So I'm 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 always kind of you know pushing the Bengals through and like them as well. So I appreciate you coming on. I, I hope this week two matchup is more competitive than we think it is. It might be a might be a, a rough one on a Cowboys offensive perspective, but I think you know maybe if the Bengals can come out and and run the ball effectively, it'll it'll look good for them. And and I'm I'm interested to see how the defense responds. You know we talked about how the Cowboys defense was going to be relied on heavily. Maybe they come out with a different mindset and attitude than we saw in week one, and, and they are able to carry this team to a few victories to make it an, at least a competitive, interesting game. So, Joe, appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. Um, maybe, maybe we talk again at some point this season or next season, and we will yeah, uh, for we'll, sure. we'll continue to follow you. Wait, let everybody know where they can follow you on, on social media and where they can see your videos and content and everything, and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah. 
Yeah, most of my stuff's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, just the way it sounds. But if you're interested in some long-form stuff and some video breakdowns, some film breakdowns and things like that, it'll be on Cincinnati Bengals Talk on YouTube and look for Bengals on the Brain as the show. Uh, but, yeah, Connor, whenever, man, hopefully we can uh, get back together for the Super Bowl. You know, if it's Bengals-Cowboys, as, as my buddy and I have been projecting for about 20 years now. But if not, draft season is a good time to talk because I, I get into all that and break all that down as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to tell the Cowboys – Everybody listening is probably a Cowboys fan, but you know, not it's not like you're all Bengals oriented. You do a lot of draft stuff as well. So if you're looking for another, you know, draft Nick to follow and, and pay attention to, you're the one to uh, you're you're a good one to to follow along to. So if you wanted to check out his stuff, make sure you follow him at all his different sites and YouTubes and and, and uh, Twitters and follow him along. And Joe, like I said, appreciate it. Uh, good luck this weekend, and we'll uh, talk again soon. Thank you, sir. Amen. Hey,